You're listening to a message from Third Church in Richmond, Virginia, where we believe we are called together for the renewal of all things through Jesus Christ. To learn more about Third or how you can get involved with our community, please check out our website, thirdrva.org. That's T-H-I-R-D-R-V-A dot org. Thanks for listening. Our Father, we do just want to look to you now as we turn to your word and ask that you, by your spirit, would illumine it to us, that you would move in our hearts, that we not only hear it, but respond to it with obedience and with love. Work in our hearts now. We look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. This is the first couple of weeks of Epiphany, and Epiphany is that... um, focus that the church has on the way in which God has orchestrated his work in the world to begin to shine the light of Christ to the nations, to the Gentiles. This is usually understood in the whole sequence of events in the Lord's coming through Advent of the light that is shined in the sky to lead the Magi to the feet of the Lord Jesus. Uh, drawing uh, those that did not formerly know him into a relationship with Christ. And so that's what our focus will be this morning is to look at this particular passage in 2 Corinthians 4 and 5 uh, to understand how uh, that the Lord has done that in our lives and how we might uh, participate further in this work that God is doing of epiphany in others. The events of the past week continue to pile up evidence for us that we are in desperate need of healing and reconciliation. Pandemic infection rate continues at its highest levels. The divide in our nation continues to spill over into violence and into a very uncivil discourse. And in many places around the globe, war and injustice proliferate. We as believers know that the true healing for this world comes through the reconciling work of the Lord Jesus Christ in our hearts that brings about that result in our relationships with one another. But have we been diligent in getting that gift out to the world? If your answer like I answer that question is no, I haven't been doing the best job in the past uh, 10 months to do that. Um, We want to explore what would help us to understand why and what we can do about seeking to be those who are getting the good news of the gospel out that will make a difference in this uh, desperate world. So let's listen to, uh, Tracy um, Meadows is going to read 2 Corinthians 4 and 5 for us. So let's let's, uh, hear the word of God now. A reading from 2 Corinthians 4 and 5. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. 
But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm convinced that the truth the Lord wants to bring to us this morning is this. The depth to which we grasp the powerful light shining in our hearts in the face of Christ will not, al- not only allow us to thrive in our current traumatic context, but will, vig- will be determine how vigorously we communicate the good news of Jesus Christ. Again, just to restate what I believe uh, the Lord wants to speak to us today is that the depth to which we grasp the powerful light shining in our hearts in the face of Christ will determine how we thrive in the context of the trauma that we're in as well as how vigorously we're going to communicate the good news of Jesus Christ to this world, desperately in need. The first thing that I think we want to understand from this passage and in our own context is that we are experiencing the effect of trauma. Paul had been experiencing trauma far greater than what we have been dealing with in our own context. But he begins chapter 4 encouraging himself and his hearers to not lose heart. They were in a tough place. And uh, you just heard Tracy read this section, and you can look at verse 7 again. Uh, Paul and his church uh, follower, uh, friends friends and and brothers and sisters, knew that they were hard-pressed on every side. They were perplexed. They were persecuted. They were struck down. And yet they were uh, carrying around in their body uh, the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus might be revealed in their bodies. It's a pretty profound uh, statement for him to make. But the context that he was uh, dealing with every day was uh, this trauma that he was experiencing in the message of getting out the good news of the gospel. If you read the story of his missionary journeys, Paul's always taking a beating. He's always opposed by ministry. By many, his ministry often met by an overwhelming crowd of people who were hostile to the message that he was communicating and determined either to discredit him or to run him out of town or to put him to death. Hard-pressed, perplexed, persecuted, struck down. These are the harsh realities that he lived with for years and ultimately led to his death. The churches that he led were also experiencing that same difficulty. They needed encouragement to keep on going with this ministry that they were given. 
And I want us to understand that we've been in a prolonged uh, period of trauma with the COVID pandemic and the racial, social, and political upheaval that we've been seeing. This is certainly unequaled in uh, this century. We don't think or talk about our experience perhaps as traumatic, uh, partly because we know that there are far greater problems and uh, uh, accidents and uh, situations that people have been in in the past. So we compare ourselves and may say, well, we're not as traumatized. And yet um, we've been hit with what could be called a lower level chronic and complex trauma, chronic long-term. We're going on uh, about a year and it's not showing signs of ending in terms of the pandemic. It's complex in that it's not just been a health concern, but it's been social, racial, political. Uh, There seems to be an experience of an upheaval in our normal experience that is far more complex uh, than just one simple thing. Its effects have been isolation, uncertainty, anxiety, and that carry along with it a certain sense of sadness and numbness. Trauma has moved us to be self-protective, to hunker down and to narrow our focus. It's been a help to me to acknowledge that I've been traumatized, uh, helping me understand why I've been uh, more numb spiritually and relationally in ways that I I don't think I've experienced before, more self-absorbed, even though I don't want to be, Uh, more tending to isolate further, even though I don't want to be. Um, You may see different effects in your own experience that may be different than the ones that I've experienced, Uh, but we've all been going through what's been a powerful pressure to um, live differently than the, the life that God has created us to live and in the redemptive work of Christ that he's redeemed us to live, remade us to live. Trauma presents a tremendous momentum to move away from that which is causing pain. Naturally, it propels us to shut down, to pursue safety and comfort. Persecution and opposition were powerful forces in Paul's experience and in the experience of the Corinthian church. And uh, if they had just stopped speaking the word of God, if they'd simply been quiet, it would all go away. Just removing the problem. The trauma that we've been experiencing is real. And we've been facing something at third, I think, even in the past several weeks that many of us have experienced deeply as a certain uh, deep level trauma. Uh, We've had the death of several long-term members here uh, in the past several weeks. Uh, Mary Jackson died on Christmas Day, as did Jean Johnson. Um, Long pillar of this church, uh, Mary Jackson. Gene Johnson involved very closely with the Good News community here at this uh, church for many, many years. We lost uh, uh, Cheryl Richardson uh, a few days before that, one who had cared for so many of our children here at Third, and just learned yesterday that Alice Kenda, the wife of Jonas Kenda, one of our mission partners, uh, suddenly died as well. Uh, Trauma that we have been experiencing here at Third And we may not think we've been greatly affected by these things, but we're being pressed um, to live contrary to our nature, the way God made us and has remade us in Christ. Uncertainty and low-level anxiety are our daily experience. 
Not being with others in our usual way has removed from us some of the critical supports and encouragement that we need daily to thrive. The trauma has led us to hunker down, to protect, to seek what is safe. We focus more on self and more on a closer circle of friends and family than ever before. We take less risks and are less outwardly facing towards uh, our neighborhoods and our world. It creates a cycle that breeds more of the same. Isolation creates a, a, trend, uh, a propulsion towards more of the same. Uh, Self-focus creates momentum in the same direction. And this is diametrically opposed to our call, as Paul puts it here, to the ministry of reconciliation in chapter 5. Trauma is what it is, and it affects all of us. And I am not suggesting today that you don't have any care for safety or for your security, or that uh, we are experiencing these things in a way that we um, um, uh, should just reject, because in some respects, that's a natural pressure uh, that we are all, all experiencing. But it helps us to recognize the trajectory of what trauma does and how its pressures can pull us off course in kingdom living. To be clear about those forces that are at play, it's really Paul's clarity here that we want to hear as we proceed to examine this. Uh, it's only the power of the gospel that is going to enable us to be empowered to resist those pressures and those effects of trauma so that that light shining in our hearts is that which we desperately need in the pull of uncertainty, pain, and difficulty. So first, we're experiencing trauma. Secondly, we are called to join the ministry of Jesus. Paul's very clear on this in this passage. In the very first verse of chapter four, he tells us, uh, puts it this way, we have this ministry. It's an established fact in reality. It's a given task that has been given to the church. The word that uh, Paul uses in the word ministry is actually the word uh, diakonia, which is the same word from which we get the word deacon. It is uh, to let literally service, and it carries with it the idea of a duty or an obligation, something that we are called, tasked to do that we can't avoid. It is part of who we are, uh, part of the role that we've been given. We have this ministry. And in chapter 5, verse 18, he tells us uh, that we have been given the ministry or the service of reconciliation, that we're in the world to reconcile uh, men and women to God. And if that weren't enough, he tells us that we've actually got a title. Uh, verse 20 tells us that we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We've been given that role of being placed in the place where we have been placed with the task of being those who speak on behalf of the kingdom of God. And the message we are given as being ambassadors in that role is, as he puts it in verse 20, be reconciled to God. We are to be speaking and urging people to be reconciled to God. And as he puts it, we're to be speaking as though God is speaking through us. He is entreating people to into that trusting relationship with God. That's an automatic part of our identity as followers of Jesus. We know that reconciliation to God results in reconciliation uh, to others. We just prayed that in the prayer of confession, that those two commandments that Jesus tells us, 
that are inextricably connected to one another, to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, issues forth an immediate response to love our neighbor as ourselves. Jesus made it plain that those two were connected, that if we weren't seeing a resulting care for brother and sister and neighbor, uh, that we weren't really experiencing the depth of love for God. Paul describes it in Ephesians 2 that when we were far off, God acted on our lives and we were brought near to him. And the result of God bringing us near to him was that the dividing wall of hostility between people was broken down. And the resulting uh, effect of that is that we were reconciled to one another, united together after one purpose, and we are brought to a place of peace and wholeness together. This transformation can be the thing that empowers racial reconciliation and enables the kind of real conversation that we need to have that is civil, that is purposeful, and that is seeking to solve the problems that we face and work towards solutions together. This is our job as Christ followers, and it is what our world so desperately needs at this particular time. Do we believe this? Do we believe that the hope of the resolution that we're seeking is found in the reconciling work of God, uh, changing our relationship with him first and foremost, and then secondly, changing the way that we relate to one another. If the gospel's true and the good news we so, is what we so desperately need, why aren't we so eager to get it out, to be about the task? Well, I'm suggesting today one of those tendencies, one of those pressures that's keeping us back, holding us back, is the trauma that we've experienced and the natural response that we have to that. But acknowledging that we're in a place of trauma is not sufficient to give us um, the energy that we need to sufficiently be about the task. Paul suggests in this passage that it is the love of Christ which compels us into that ministry of reconciliation. If you look at chapter 15, verses four and following, he tells us there that when we become so convinced and gripped by the love of Christ, shown in his death and his life for us, we become uh, uh, gripped in a way that we are compelled to action towards others, movement towards others, to share that good news. Knowing Jesus' love will cause us, as he, as he puts it in verse 15, no longer to live for ourselves, but for him who died and was raised again. He tells us to see ourselves and others in a totally new way. We're to understand a people by the flesh no longer, the old way of thinking about human beings. We're to see them as people on whom God is working and acting and when people are restored into a trusting relationship with Jesus, Paul is really clear. Uh, the old nature is killed off. It's done away with. And the new has come. We are new creatures when Christ touches our lives. And it changes everything about how we are and how we relate. If we have any hope of fulfilling our calling as ambassadors of the ministry of reconciliation, it will be because we're more deeply convinced than ever of God's amazing love towards us and the incredible miracle of his transforming work to change us. This is where Paul wants us to focus and where we want to spend the rest of our time this morning. I want us to look in particular at verse uh, six of chapter four. There he says, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness 
made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. God's light shining in our hearts empowers us for the ministry of reconciliation. And here in in this passage, Paul is telling us that the light that is shining in our hearts is the same power that was like God's uh, work of creation. He's referencing Genesis 1 here when he makes the pronouncement for God who said, let light shine out of darkness. That's the words that God spoke at creation. Let there be light. And there was light. That very same action is that which he wants us to understand has taken place in our hearts as God has worked on our hearts. He's spoken into our hearts and has brought about light in our own being. In that same powerful way, that created the world out of nothing. Instead, though, of speaking that word from a distance, just having the proclamation of a word that made uh, earth and sky and um, stars uh, come into being, he conveys that message to us in a personal and relational way. He does uh, that same work uh, by coming into the world and relating face-to-face with human beings. He doesn't speak a word from heaven. He comes into the world and speaks to us face-to-face and demonstrates the kingdom of God in our midst. And God's spirit is doing that same work in our own hearts as the light of Christ is shown in our hearts. He comes to us personally. He comes to us intimately. And he comes to us internally, not with a message from afar, but with a relational interaction where he's inviting us to see the face of Christ and consequently to understand more fully God's glory. Paul tells us that this light that shines in our, uh, in our hearts helps us know God's glory. And he is using a word that uh, harkens back to the Hebrew word kabod, which conveys the idea of worth and weight and value, substance, And it's uh, this wonderfully rich idea that I I hope we grasp uh, is what the the Lord's glory is, is the true reality of his substance and his value and worth. It conveys with it the the image of light uh, in that uh, the light is shining on that which is beautiful and brilliant. And it commands our attention and our devotion because it's so beautiful, so rich, so depthful so uh, full of reality and truth. This is all displayed in the face of Christ. He's the one who is the light shiner, the one who awakens us and reveals the glory of God to us, that shows us the truthfulness and reality of God. And we know that the light is shown into our eyes, uh, into our hearts when we begin to comprehend who God is and what he's done for us and are drawn into that personal relationship with him. And I don't want to let this stay too conceptual, so I'll attempt to get us uh, even more practical as we um, proceed to think about it. But I want us to think about how we experience the light shining in our hearts. Paul's clear in this particular passage that often the way in which God's light shines in our hearts is in the midst of the traumas of our life. Paul is experiencing um, the light of the knowledge of God in the face of Christ through being hard-pressed, through being perplexed, through being persecuted and struck down. We meet Jesus face-to-face in the places of our own need, of our own brokenness, 
and pain and suffering. I want you to think back to your own experience. How did God first shine his light into your life? How did you encounter Jesus face to face? For me, it was in meeting other believing people who uh, cared for me and attended to me in a way that I'd never, ever experienced before. Uh, They were believing people who just were very different. And I didn't immediately see this as the face of Christ, but what their their, uh, attention to me, their care for me, the way in which they genuinely uh, related to me uh, in a way that was not self-interested, that um, was about me, it was very stunning. They weren't about the normal kinds of ways that we seek to get what we get out of relationships. They weren't in it for themselves. Uh, they were truly extending themselves with interest and care. And it was through their genuineness and uh, sort of that depth of care that I was experiencing that I began to see the interest that God had for me in Jesus Christ, the, the interest and care that he had for me. And I began to be awakened to the light of Christ shining in my own heart. Think about your own story and how you have met Jesus and seen his face. Think about times of pain and struggle and the ways that Jesus has met you in those places. Often it is in a way that is not able to be explained, but somehow you know that he was with you. He was with you in a way that supported you and held you up even in the midst of difficulties that were too great to bear. And yet he was there uh, and met you in those places. Isaiah tells us how he meets us in pain and struggle. In Isaiah 53, he says, Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he himself carried. Jesus carries the weight of the pain and the struggle and the suffering with us and for us. Think of the way Jesus has met you in your own brokenness and sin. He has helped you see more clearly the damage that you have caused in your own heart and life, as well as the damage in human relationships that you've had. He shows you by shining his light in your life and showing you some things that are true about your choices and about the way in which you've related. He motivates you not only to see that that's not right, it's not good, I need deliverance from it, but also to be motivated to seek his help to bring about transformation and to meet you in those places, to bind up places that are broken, to change ways of choices and decisions and interactions. And Isaiah again tells us how Jesus does that. He was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. By his scourging, we are healed. Jesus takes those broken places and he bears them on the cross. He takes away our brokenness, our shame, and our guilt, and he does away with those things. The old is passed away, and he gives us his new life as a gift. How does Jesus shine the light in your life? He speaks the truth to you in love. He loves you even when that change that you long for doesn't stick, (laughs) when you continue to do the same thing over and over again, and you continue to struggle with seeing that change take full root. He's still there. He still loves you and has his face turned towards you. I want you to just listen to the voice of Jesus as I believe the scriptures express his communication to us. To see the light of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Jesus wants to tell you 
I love you just as you are right now. Any guilt you feel, I've taken that away. Any pain and injury you've caused others, I paid that debt. You are completely accepted by me. You're dearly, dearly loved. Believe this. Keep looking. If you have trouble with that, keep looking at my death on the cross for you to take away your sin, to die in your place. That's how much I love you. Jesus wants to speak to us to say, when I look at you, I do not see a totally screwed up mess. I see you as perfect as my son Jesus because you are united with him. Your life is completely bound up with him. You have a new life that is his life. It's alive in you. I see you as I made you. I see you as I have remade you. And I see you as you truly are. One day soon, you're gonna see it too. Believe this. And if you have trouble, keep on looking at the empty tomb and see me seated at the right hand of the Father, ascended to the right hand of, pow of power in uh, heaven. I am the lamb on the throne, seated there in power. You are a new creation. I've accomplished all of this for you. Hear Jesus saying to you, I know the pains and troubles that you're experiencing right now. I am with you in them and I have purposed them to transform your life, to bring about good things, to use them to shape you. I've experienced everything that you've experienced and I'm with you. I'm going through this with you to bear those things with you. I am never going to leave your side. And let's hear Jesus speaking to us. You are so gifted. You're a new person in me. You're my instrument with gifts and resources to bring, to make a difference in this world and to shed the light of Christ in other people's hearts. I'm with you in that work to lead you to the right people to talk to, to tell you what to say when you need to say something, uh, to help guide you in that process. But I also want you to know that you um, don't need to have all the answers or to fix things in people's lives. I'm going to be the one who shows the light of Christ to others. I'm gonna be the one that works transformation in each other. I just want you to be yourself and let the difficulties and struggles of you be seen. Be vulnerable with other people because that's where the power of Christ is shown, as Paul puts it here in this passage, we have these jars, these, this treasure in jars of clay so that the all-surpassing power of God will be shown to be not from us, but from him. So as we start this year, in the midst of continued trauma, uh, will you be committed to spending regular time to hear the voice of Jesus speaking to you, to see Jesus face to face with you in your own heart. He is shining his light in your heart. He wants to speak this, these messages of love, of his grace, of his transforming presence and his power in your life so that you might be built up, encouraged and strengthened, empowered, not only for the dealing with the pains and difficulties of your own life, but empowered to be those ready to get out the gospel of Christ to others. 
And will you also be committed to speaking these things to each other? We desperately need each other to help us um, to hear the voice of Christ, to see the face of Jesus as that light is shining in our hearts through faith. So would you commit to those things this year? Call, uh, look to the Lord Jesus yourself in your own heart and encourage one another. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we do thank you that you have shown your light in our lives, that there has been an epiphany uh, that we have experienced. We ask that you would continue to help us to see the face of Jesus in our own hearts as you relate to us by the Holy Spirit, to hear you speaking to us messages of love, of grace, of redemption, of restoration and transformation, that we would be renewed and refreshed not only to face the, the traumas that we will continue to experience in these coming months, but also to be those who are empowered in amazing ways beyond our own comprehension to be able to speak the message of reconciliation as your ambassadors. Work this grace in and through us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>